0: how you instruct us we pray you would instruct us you've encouraged us in worship lord we were worshiping you and yet you encourage us in that Uh, we worship you and you strengthen us in that and we're so grateful for your goodness to us and now lord strengthen and instruct us in your word we pray in jesus name amen hallelujah amen all right let me adjust this here yeah there we go praise the lord All right, well, this morning we're going to continue looking together at the Old Testament book of Jonah, looking particularly to see what God is wanting to say to you and to me right now. I believe God is speaking to His church right now. We're looking particularly for those major resets that God is calling for as He seeks to refocus His people on Himself and on His purposes to make sure we're ready, to make sure uh, we're useful in the days to come. Last week we looked at the need for a major reset in our thinking about God and our approach to God, especially as it relates to the holy fear of the Lord. And if you missed that or if you were trying to participate with us, we had some technical difficulties, that's up on the YouTube channel, it's also available on our Facebook page, check it out, you need to see that. This morning I want to take a look and focus on another major reset I believe God's calling for among His people, a reset in how Christians understand themselves and what it means to live as a child of God in the world. So just to get us focused and moving, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as you're able in honor of the Word of God. And uh, we're going to read together two uh, brief passages of Scripture, one from Jonah chapter 1, one from Jonah chapter 3, just to kind of get us focused and moving. If you're with me here in the church building, I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions. If you're worshiping with us over our YouTube channel, just read the text out loud as it pops up there on the screen. But let's look at this together. We start in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, where the Bible says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, you may recall from last week that that turned out to be a bad idea. Uh, Some stuff happened on that journey, and then we're going to fast forward now uh, to Jonah chapter 3, starting at verse 1, where the Bible says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now you may have noticed some similarities and some differences there between Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3. It's amazing what a direct encounter with a holy God, not to mention a little bit of time in the belly of a fish, will do for a body's willingness to cooperate. It certainly empowers you to reset in your thinking about God. But before I can really get into the reset I believe God's calling for in our thinking about ourselves, I need to show you something about Jonah that you won't actually find in the book of Jonah. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the book of Jonah just kind of jumps right into the story, gives you basically no background whatsoever about Jonah the person. And that doesn't mean there isn't any. Because Jonah is actually mentioned, albeit briefly, in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, it was during the reign of Jeroboam II, who was, from a military and an economic perspective, one of the most successful kings in all the history of Israel. He ruled Israel 41 years, during which time he managed to recover every piece of land that had been lost by his predecessors. And interestingly enough, the Bible tells us that it was the prophet Jonah who prophesied those successes and those victories. 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25 says this, speaking initially of Jeroboam II. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Sea of the Arabah. In accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. Now, i got to tell you, as far as Jonah is concerned, this is some pretty impressive stuff. And it suggests the very real possibility, in fact, I think the very likelihood, that Jonah was pretty prominent in his day the writer of 2 Kings refers to Jonah implies he was something of a known entity. He's called the prophet from Gath-Hefer, a small town about three miles north of Nazareth. But while he came from that small border town, we cannot say for certain that he stayed there. Rather, as a known prophet, and especially as a prophet who is prophesying tremendous victory and, and, and tremendous exploits and success for the king of Israel, it's very likely that Jonah spent at least some time in Samaria, the capital city of Israel in that day. Or he might even have ended up functioning something like a court prophet in the, in, in the, in the court of Jeroboam II. If that was the case, I can assure you it was a pretty sweet deal. Enjoying the food from the king's table, enjoying the perks of the king's favor. But even if Jonah didn't live in Samaria, his prophecies would undoubtedly made him known to the king. And the nature of those prophecies would have undoubtedly caused the king, most assuredly, to have been favorably disposed toward Jonah. And so it would have been from that life of comfort and privilege and prominence, from that life of relative ease and favor, from that nice and safe and cozy life that God called out to Jonah, telling him to leave all that behind and travel as a missionary to Nineveh, to leave behind the comfortable and familiar land of Israel and travel instead to the wicked and terrifying capital of the Assyrian Empire. And here we find the next major reset that I believe God is calling for among his people today. A reset in our view of ourselves and of what God expects from us and for us. A reset from seeing ourselves primarily as entitled children, followers of the one true God who deserve to be blessed and cared for by God seeing ourselves primarily as missionaries, self-sacrificing servants, hard-working ambassadors in our Father's kingdom, hard-working laborers in our Father's field. It's a reset from expecting God to provide for my comfort to understanding God expects me lay down my life, is a reset around the embracing of the call to die to self. It is believing Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. The need for this particular reset has been a regular issue among God's people for a very long time. When God first called Abraham and began the process of creating for himself a people, way back then and ever since, it's always been God's plan to bless his people and to make them a blessing. To the rest of the world. But over time, the Israelites became more interested in the getting blessed part of that equation than in the part about being a blessing to the rest of the world. As God's dearly loved children, His uniquely chosen special possession, they began over time to focus more on their entitlements than on their mission, more on their entitlements than on the work God had for them. They began to lean in very heavily to that God-will-bless-us promise, while all but completely ignoring that we-will-bless-the-world commandment. They became, in a word, entitled. They also began to look down their noses at all those unchosen people out there, the very ones God had called them to help and to bless. They thought life should be good for the people of God. After all, we are the people of God. After all, we are God's dearly beloved. After all, we are God's special chosen ones. And so coming as he did from that Hebrew backdrop, I imagine it must have shocked Jonah when God called him to leave the familiar and comfortable land of Israel and go preach to the Ninevites. But that is a reset I believe God is asking of each one of us today. To change our thinking about ourselves and our expectations for ourselves. We need a reset from being entitled to being engaged. From simply being receptacles of the grace and the goodness and the blessing of God to being conduits of that goodness and grace and blessing, where we receive it and we pass it along, where it's less about getting the blessing of God and more about giving it away, where it's less about our own safety and more about their salvation, less about our security and more about our sacrifice. We need a reset from primarily protecting what we have to being willing to risk everything for the kingdom of God. When God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, it was for Jonah a major reset. And for many in the church today, the call of God to reach the lost, to be a witness for Jesus, to be a disciple who makes disciples, requires a very similar kind of reset. I've used this example before, but I cannot think of a better illustration to explain the, the, the reset God is asking of us today uh, than the story happened years ago with Francis Chan. He'd been trying to move his megachurch from being a typical 21st century evangelical church into a church more like what God wants it to be, a church of people deeply, completely committed to Jesus and the mission of Jesus, to laying down their lives to accomplish the work of Jesus. And he'd been preaching and preaching and preaching on it and teaching and teaching and teaching on it. And one day this guy from the church came up to him and said, Francis, listen, I think what you're saying is fantastic. I think it's true. I believe all of it. I believe it's absolutely right. I believe it's absolutely true. But you need to understand, this is a major change from everything we've heard and everything we've understood and everything we've lived for years. You're asking for a gigantic reset, and I want to make sure you understand it. Let me explain it like this, he said. It's like many years ago somebody came to me and gave me a brand new pair of ice skates. And they say, these will cost you nothing. They're free. They're just because I love you. Take these skates. That I love you. Take them. They don't cost you anything. Go and have fun. Enjoy your skates. And for years now, I've been enjoying my skates. I've been skating around with people, other people with skates. And we've been going to the rink, and we've been doing tricks, and we've been learning tricks and swirling around and twirling around. And now you're telling me that I was actually given those ice skates because I'm supposed to be part of a hockey team, who's supposed to sacrifice everything we can to make sure we win a championship. I believe that's right. I believe that's true. But you got to understand that it's a major reset in how I've been thinking and living and how most of us have in the church. The truth is too many sincere followers of Jesus have become too comfortable, too at home, simply skating around, doing tricks in the safety and comfort of the church building. God wants to reset. From believers simply enjoying their salvation to actively passing it along to others. Listen, it's easy inside the four walls of the church building. People here, by and large, talk like you, think like you, more or less live like you. You can come together with people who are like you and sing and worship and enjoy the presence of God in a safe, secure, warm, welcoming, loving environment, and you should. And it's important, and it matters, and you need it. You need regular, consistent fellowship and worship together with the people of God. You need to commune with the people of God in this atmosphere to be refocused and recharged and refreshed and re-energized, but the truth is it's easy in the king's court, and it's easy inside the four walls of the church, but there's a work to be done in Nineveh. There's hard work to be done out there. It's a hard work, but it is the work of God, and so it's your work, and it's my work. As was the case with Jonah, it's a work that's going to cost you something. It's time for a reset. From thinking and worrying and focusing our energy primarily on being sure our needs are met, to thinking and praying and focusing our energy on God and the mission of God, on being fishers of men, on being witnesses of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus, the day is far spent, the night is coming. It's time for a reset. Listen, it's God's job to bless you. To watch over you and take care of you and protect you and provide for you. It's your job to bless others. To love them and help them and tell them the truth to share with Him the love of God, to share with Him the Word of God. This past Wednesday night, our prayer and worship time, one of the songs we sang, there's a line in the song that says, I want to take Your Word and shine it all around. And that just just kept going over and over and over again in my spirit that whole time we were together. I want to take Your Word and shine it all around. I want to take Your Word and shine it all around. I want to take Your Word and shine it all around. i got to tell you, I want to take His Word and shine it all around. I want to see Nineveh come to Jesus. Nineveh needs to come to Jesus. I want to see Charlotte come to Jesus. And the United States of America come to Jesus. And Kamen Kali, uh, Uganda, and the Philippines, and communist China, and the entire nation of Cambodia. I want to see all of them hear the word of the Lord and turn and come to Jesus. It's easy in the king's court. It's easy inside the four walls of the church building, but there is a hard work to be done in Nineveh. And God is calling for a reset among His people from focusing primarily on our own comfort to focusing on His mission, from caring mostly about our own security to caring more and more about their salvation. I'm basically out of time, but I want to close by trying to make this as practical for you as I possibly can. You might be sitting around thinking, you know, Pastor Billy, I want that. I want that. I I really, really, really want that, but I don't have the foggiest idea where to begin. I don't have the foggiest idea how to get started. I want to help you with that. I'm going to give you three super practical, super easy ways you can start right now. You can get started today. As soon as the service is over, you can get started. You can start Monday morning. Three super now And right now I'm going to give them to you in super quick outline form because I'm out of time. But I have made a supplemental video to go with this message. And I strongly encourage you to check it out because I go into a lot more detail on these three points in that supplemental video. You can get it from our church app. You can get it on our church website. You can get it on our YouTube channel. I I encourage you, please go to the video, first chance you get. But real quickly, three quick tips. First, start with prayer. Listen, if you're going to make a difference in Nineveh, you need to start with prayer. And you need to start a prayer for yourself. You need to start praying, God, make me a better witness. Make me a better witness for Jesus. Make me a better witness for Jesus. And ask other people to pray for you. Make me pray that I'll be a better witness for Jesus. And I would encourage you to find two people you really trust and ask them, would they consider to pray every day over you two scriptures? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19 and Colossians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. And say, will you pray these two scriptures over me every Ephesians 6, 19 says this, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Will you pray that for me every day? And see if someone will pray over you. Colossians 4, 3 and 4, which says this, I pray for us, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Listen, if the apostle Paul Needed people to pray this way for him. I suspect we could all benefit from it. So begin by getting people to pray for you. Pray that you be a better witness. Ask people to pray for you to be a better witness. And then make a commitment every day to pray for the lost every day. Pray for the lost every day. Pray for the lost people you know. Pray for them by name. Pray for the lost people you don't know. Pray for the lost in general. I go into a lot more detail about this in the video. Check out the supplemental video. But first you start with prayer. and second. Start noticing and loving the people around you. Develop the habit. Work on developing that. Make a commitment to work on paying, looking around and really honestly looking at people, not just just to to, uh, people watch, but to really see the people around you so you can love them and care about them. Because here's the truth. We're going to stink as fishers of men until we learn to cultivate the habit of noticing people. And loving them. And third and finally, develop relationships with the lost. I talk about this a lot. I'm going to keep talking about it a lot because here's the truth of the matter you cannot bless Ninevites if you don't know any Ninevites. You cannot bless Ninevites if you never hang out with Ninevites, if you never talk to Ninevites. Most Christians, most church people only hang out with church people. And listen, it's important to hang out with church people. They encourage you, and they they uphold you, and they push you in good ways. But you can't bless Ninevites if you don't know any. And if you're going to succeed as a fisherman, you've got to go where the fish are. I'm going to throw in a bonus number four, not even on the list. If you want to make a difference in Nineveh, give to missions and pray for missions. Give to missions and pray for missions for people in the Ninevehs around the world that you may never get to. As I go into more specifics in the supplemental video, I encourage you to check it out. But I close with this. It is safe and it is comfortable. It's easy inside the church building. It's easy around church people. But there is a work to be done in Nineveh. And God wants to reset you and me to make us willing to risk everything, to lay down our lives and risk everything in order to be busy about that work. Let's pray. Father, as always, we thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, your and call to Jonah, which he got wrong and then got right and then kind of got wrong again. Lord, may we be more faithful. May we be more wise. May we be more in tune with you and your purposes and your spirit and your mission. Help us to be less and less concerned each day about our own comfort and our own security and more and more concerned each day about the lost and dying in Nineveh. Reset us, we pray, in Jesus' name, and use us for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen.